I, the Lord of sea and sky, I have heard my people cry, all who dwell in dark and sin, my hand will save. I, who made the stars of night, I will make their darkness Bride, who will bear my light to them? Who shall I send? Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord, if you lead me, I will hold your people in my heart. I, the Lord of snow and rain, I have borne my people's pain. I have wept for love of them, they turn away. I will break their hearts of stone, give them hearts for love alone. I will speak my words to them, whom shall I send? Go! Cool. 
Good morning, everyone. Welcome to episode 49 of Catholics at Home. With me, Jonathan Poon, a.k.a. JP, your host for this morning. That was a beautiful rendition of Here I Am, Lord, sung by Mark Edward from Christus Aman. I welcome you back to the show. We had a week off for Chinese New Year, and I would like to take this opportunity to wish every one of you who is currently tuning in to us a happy Lunar New Year. Gong Si Fa Chai. And hoping that this year, the Lord will continue to bless us with abundant health as well as graces and blessings. So for, the, for today, we have a very special program, um, given that we are actually heading into the first weekend of Lent. But before that, I would like to invite each and every one of you to subscribe, like, and follow our Catholics at Home page. You can tune in to us on YouTube, Spotify, and of course, Facebook. Why not host a Facebook watch party? Tell us what topics you'd like to watch on Catholics at Home in the future, and please feel free to post questions or comments that you may have on this show. For example, tell me more. What did you do over the Lunar New Year holidays, the long weekend? And if you want to, please share. What are you going to be giving up this Lent season? Um, there's a Lenten campaign that is currently being run um, by the Kuala Lumpur Archdiocesan Office for Human Development, aimed at actively um, encouraging the faithful to be fully immersed in three pillars uh, for this Lent, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And so to kick off uh, the Lenten campaign, we will be shortly speaking to Cheryl Christine and Rita Anthony from the Ministry for Children with Special Needs about their work at the Special Needs Learning Centre here in Petaling Jaya. But before that, needless to say, I need to bring on my very special co-host, Father Clarence Devadas. Morning, Father. You seem to be on mute, Father. Okay, good morning, JP. After 49 shows, I still can't get it right. <laughs> Maybe it was yeah. that one week of holiday, so then you forgot. Probably. Happy yeah. New Year to you. Happy Lunar New Year to you, to everyone. Everyone, yeah. yes. Hope you had a the, 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 the tagline now is auspicious year. It's going to be an yeah. auspicious year. Indeed, it, it is. I'm hoping that it will be an auspicious year for you too, Father. How how did you spend the, the weekend off from Catholics at home? Um, very quiet, JP. I had a I, I had a laid back Saturday morning. Yeah, you know, I didn't have to rush. Yeah, it was kind of a, of a nice break, but you know. It's it, Chinese New Year and you can't visit friends. Usually on, on Chinese New Year, I'll have morning mass. Uh, give out angpaos, give out oranges, you know, uh, in the spirit yeah. of, of of the new year. This year was very quiet. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a nice, nice break. I mean, I can't say I can't say that the city was quiet because the city has been quiet for over a year now. So yeah. <laughs> with the lockdown, so it was it was quite the same. But uh it was it was a nice break, I think, for, for everyone. To everyone. Yeah. Yes, indeed. And I think it's it's definitely a different celebration for, for some of us who are celebrating New Year by you know, you're not able to go to church and you're not able to get angpao or blessings over the mandarin oranges and receiving it from, from the parish priest. So that definitely is different. Of course, needless to say, you know, you can't spend time with your family and friends. And, and But I guess at the end of the day, it's all for the better good. Is that we want to contain, stay at home, stay safe, everyone. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And how was your New Year? Do you, I mean, you, you're at home, right? So you get to spend it with your, with your family. Yes, yes, I did manage to spend it with my family. And um, of course, it was unlike the usual occasion, fair where we get to spend with the extended family, it was just 
my immediate family, my my sibling and my parents. So, but it was actually very nice, like you said. You know, uh, on the first day of New Year, there was no rushing from relative A to relative B's house, and and we were all spending at home, and it, it gave us time to to catch up about what has been going on in in our lives. Because you know, since since March last year, everything has been out of whack, I would say, and and so it was a very good time to just sit down. And can't believe it that it's really been a year since since we had any movement control of, of any right, of that. Right. What's the yeah. what's the what's the I must ask you this, you know, for your reunion dinner at home, what is the food that you look forward to? I I know you love food. I mean you are somebody that <laughs> yes, so what, I, I what do you look forward to? Enjoys food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think for me, anything that is cooked by 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 my mom, um, that, that's actually very, very special because um, you know, I, I don't live with them. So this time around, uh, still within the same zone, we were able to celebrate that New Year. So that was actually a very, very good break to just catch up and, and basically have my mom's um, delicious Chinese New Year food. And, and I think one of the dishes that I enjoy most this year was leek. Um, and so I think you know, Father, that leek is actually one of the, the, the traditional must-have dishes during Lunar okay. New Year. Yeah, because it's supposed to signify, you know, that you are able to be prosper or, or you know be 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 good in the coming year. So it's supposed to bring you luck. But I actually do enjoy eating leek. So it's that one in a year occasion that I, I get to have my mom's uh, home cooked leek dish. I'm sure now our now our viewers are, are, are salivating already now. And it's Lent, so let's not talk too much about food. Okay, <laughs> so that's right. uh, good morning to everyone who's tuning tuning to us. I, I see we have a lot of uh, our, our audience and viewers wishing us a happy new year and good morning. So to each and every one of you who have actually placed a little comments on our on our social media pages, you know, welcome to our Catholics at Home program number 49, which is a special one because, you know, we'll be talking to Cheryl and Rita very shortly, um, and they are actually part of the Ministry for Children with Special Needs. So, Father, do you think we shall bring them on right now? Yes, let's bring Cheryl and Rita into our conversation this morning, JP. Good morning. Good morning, Cheryl. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Cheryl and Father. Good morning, Father. Good morning, morning to you. Welcome, welcome to our to our podcast, Catholics at Home. Uh, as I said, you know, uh, don't feel so stressed. I know you you look very stressed, <laughs> so you smile more. You feel less stressed about being on on camera. Yeah. So welcome, wel welcome to our show. It's a pleasure to have you here this this morning with us. Uh, and as we are part of this whole Lenten journey that we are looking at different aspects of, you know, the three traditional things of, of Lent, uh, you know, you, the three things I'm sure you all know, uh, it's prayer, fasting and almsgiving, uh, you know, works of, works of mercy. Uh, but this morning, we want to focus on a special ministry that probably not many people know about or, you know, you may probably you know about it. Uh, and you know you or you know somebody who has got a child with, with special needs and who goes to a to a center. Uh, maybe this is just a part of our own initiative to introduce you know, here in the archdiocese. We also have a special ministry uh, to help children with with special needs. Uh, so these are the two people who kind of uh, have who are part of this center, you know. But before we begin, uh, maybe yeah, Cheryl, uh, Rita, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, you know. Uh, Cheryl, maybe Cheryl can begin. How how did you get involved in, in, in this ministry? Uh, 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 to, in this ministry to children with special needs. Okay. Um, I actually found out about this ministry in 2017 when I volunteered for one of their holiday programs. So that's when I, I found out that this this was the center. And, and honestly, I've never seen children with autism because they all look very normal, you see. 
So that was my first experience with them. And then later on, um, in 2018, in 2018, uh, somewhere end of August, I volunteered for around three months uh, to be with them. So uh, I also learned how to teach them, uh, how to be with them, you know. And uh, I think to me was, I, I felt called to do this, to do this ministry. And um, so I applied for the position and I got it. <laughs> so here I am, yeah. So when That's we talk the about special story, the shortest version. So yeah, when, when we talk of special needs uh, here, we're talking about children with autism, right? I think this is just to be yes. more to be a bit more specific and yes. what you are what you are working. Rita, what about you, Rita? Okay. Um, I think I will, my story is a bit long but I tried to make it short. Uh, I'm a mother of a very young, of a young autistic man. Um, my story started, my journey started from the diagnose, the day he was diagnosed with. So normally, I mean, back in the 1990s, there was very little um, help or resources available at that time. Um, so, you know, like many parents, and I was also doing the same from one therapy session to another therapy, and uh, but still we were not getting um, a grip of our children, or, or rather of my boy at least. So, um, at the same time, uh, we realized that the, whatever is um, help or centers that were available were that existed were not too, were too expensive for ordinary families so it was a juggle still we are going in circle and in some families uh, we have engaged foreign consultants to come in to help our children and they brought in this program called ABA applied behavior analysis um, that helps us to have some grip over our children. And uh, see, while I was going, meeting all these families, I realized many of them were like in my situation. So that is how I brought this, some of the families together. And then uh, even before we started SNLC, we used to bring these children on a Sunday afternoon. There were four families I remember. We used to do play just play with our children because play is not something that comes naturally for our children, you know. So we used to do play therapy, we used to play with them. Then we brought in some food and then we had shared food with them, made them eat with, you know, we ate together and things. One led to another, you know, to get the story going. So these families, the three families, uh, were the founding parents of SNLC. It's not me. So that is how uh, 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 we, the three families, we realized that what we needed was um, a routine program for these children. Um, we there were many things, you know, we were going to schools, we were doing things, but we felt the need for a routine structured program. And to do this, we needed a base. We needed a place. And that is how we went to ask SICK, 
the support of the church. And that time was, uh, we asked, that we went to see Brother Rogers Anthony, the then director of the National Office for Human Development. And we shared our, our, our problems, our, the needs. Um, it took us several meetings. It was not instant, you know, it was several meetings with him and project papers, the project papers, we have to rewrite it. And, and that's when um, in July 2001, uh, we started SNLC with the blessings of our late Cardinal Soto Fernandez, his eminent Soto Fernandez. And uh, we started this cl the classes with one full-time teacher that was Rachel Sebastian and me as a full-time volunteer. So your, so your, involve your involvement is basically because you found a need because you had a son who, who needed uh, attention. So it would seem that it comes from your own experience of having to, to find something uh, and to get parents uh, involved in this. Uh, would, that be, would that be right? So I guess it's your own, you know, yes. uh, yeah. you're looking for something. Because it, I saw the need and I saw the need of the others who were also struggling together. Sure. You know, we had similar problems. And that's how I felt we came together, the three founding parents. I like to mention them. That is uh, Mr. Alfred and his wife, Dr. Eileen, um, Francis and his wife, Annie, and Santi, my husband, and myself. Uh, we found the, the committee, rather the management committee or the founding committee. For the last 18 years, we worked on this. Okay. It, it sounds like when, when you first started Rita, it, it came out of a need. And so how eventually um, the, the SNLC started to where it is today? Was it, was it through word of mouth or did you connect with other parents who had similar challenges in terms of finding a place for their kids? Yes. Um, yes, John. Uh, it is from the needs of our families, like the three families at least. And then the, we, we had no advertisement, no brochures or anything. It is just word of mouth. People heard of us and they came to us. And all, uh, I mean, when, when they come to us, the problems are almost the same. Okay. So that's how the center grew from four students to, we, there were many. Uh, uh, yeah. And, and so, Cheryl, coming to you um, at present moment for the SNLC. Um, I understand that you are actually the administrator for, for the centre. So how many students are there currently um, in, enrolled in the SNLC? Okay, um, for SNLC, we currently have um, eight students and we have one teacher. Um, so I also teach in now because uh, we actually lack of teachers. So I have to also step in here. Yeah. And um, we are doing it online now because of the uh, MCO. So um, out of the, our eight students, uh, three of them, we are able to do Zoom with them. We are able to do Zoom classes with them where the parent sits with them. Uh, but the rest of the five students, we actually have to do, uh, we basically have a weekly WhatsApp video call with them and we tell them what they need to do. So the parents, uh, after learning from us, they will actually do the therapy with the child. 
And once they have done, we will normally tell them take a video and send it to us so that we can see whether it was done correctly or not. Uh, and if there's any improvement or how do we actually upgrade that particular therapy or teaching for the child. Yeah. Well, if, 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 I, if I go back to before the MCO, what, what would an ordinary day be like for, for a child that comes to the centre, uh, a child with special needs? What would an ordinary day be like? What, what would they do from the time they arrive like? Okay, so when they come in, of course, we have a place for them to put their shoes and put their bags, and then they come into their classes. Uh, we use schedules for them, which are actually visuals of uh, each subject or therapy that they, they will be doing for the whole time that they're going to be at the center. Okay, so when they come in, normally we'll have to run through with them. Okay, so this, one, this is what you're going to do today. You're going to do English, then you're going to do motor skills, then you're going to do structured play, things like that. And then we will start one by one. Uh, the reason why we do this also because children with autism, they need to know what's going to happen next. And when they don't know, that's when sometimes the behavior can come out. You see, because they are anxious. They don't know what's going to happen next. So when you have a structure like this, they will see the structure and they know, okay, so this is what I got to do next, you know. So even if it's a subject that they're not very happy about, we can... It, it's a form of, you can motivate and tell them, okay, even though you don't like this, but after this, you've got something interesting to do. So it gives them a motivation, okay, so I'm not going to be stuck on this for so long, I've got something else better to do after that, that I enjoy, you see? Yeah, so we follow that structure throughout the day. Even moving them, for example, uh, when they have their break time, we have a snack time, uh, they will actually move. So, for example, from the schedule itself, they will take the snack uh, visual and they will go and pick it on the wall, Play, the area where they will have their snack. So we move them in that way. So they know where the snack is, where the, where the place that they are actually supposed to sit and have their snack. We will put it there. Once they've had their snack, they will take it back and put it back in, in a small box. Means that particular task is completed and then they'll move on to the next. So that's how they follow um, every time when they come for classes. So when, when, they, when they do this, after they leave the SNLC for the day, does it mean that the parents will also be taught the tools to how to manage their child at home as well using this systematic way? Yes, we strongly encourage parents to also use a schedule at home because that helps the child to know what comes after that. You know, including, for example, when they wake up in the morning, when they wake up, they do their bed, they brush their teeth, and then they change their clothes, they wear, uh, they, they have their breakfast, then after that, what do they do next? Maybe they help the mom to do a bit of work in the kitchen, help to carry some things, help to peel onions, or maybe help to dry the clothes, or help to put the dirty clothes into the washing machine. Whatever it is that the parents have for them, they put it in the schedule for the day. And then they've got break time, they've got play time. So everything, when you put it visually, the child is able to see, and then they'll be able to do that. You also, uh, when, when the parents actually use this method, they don't ha have the child just sitting idle and not doing anything. So when the child sits idle and does nothing, then again, you know, they feel anxious. They don't know what to do. So all sorts of behaviors can come. Yeah. Maybe Rita, I mean, I, I know uh, education, giving education with children with special needs is, is, is very challenging. Uh, what what would be some of the major challenges that you face uh, in in this place, uh, Rita? Maybe if I may ask, Rita has been there longer than any than Cheryl. 
what are the, some of the main challenges that you face in, in trying to equip children with special needs? Okay, I'd like to add what to Cheryl, because if I talked about routine, if they know that they have a routine for the day and it's visually presented to them, as Cheryl explained, they, you reduce a lot of their stress, their unwanted anxiety, for example, you know. So they know that if I finish this, I have this, I have my playtime, I have my, you know, uh, whatever TV time or whatever. So the schedule is something that actually guides them. So, you know, the, in the past when we didn't know how to deal with them, there was a lot of issues. They will they be running all over and everything. When this is, is in place, the schedule, it helps them to be... Um, to be focused as, with your work and like a home schedule, like the, for now, they don't come to the school, but um, since we are guiding the parents with the schedule at home, things are fall, falling in place. The parents are telling us that they are able to cope. There's less stress, less behavior, unwanted behavior. They don't, you know. So, so it would seem that a, a, a routine or, or a schedule is what helps them uh, the most. Uh, you, you give them, so it's, it's the same whether it's in the center or whether it's at home. Yes. Uh, I think it's, it's the routine that's, that's very important. Well, that applies for everyone, isn't it, JP? I mean, even for us too. I mean, yes. yeah, I, yeah. I found during the, during the MCO, I needed to have a own, my own routine. Uh, You're like to, a timetable. Yeah. yeah able to tell you what you do during the day and like what Cheryl exactly. has mentioned to help you move from one area and also know what to expect as, as you are heading into your next activity mm -hmm. I suppose yes. yeah we have a question uh, maybe I can actually put that to to Rita uh, is there an age limit to enroll for these classes at SNLC uh, I, I think Cheryl has to answer the question. She's the present administrator. Okay. Cheryl, over to you. Okay. So, um, okay. So for SNLC, we have two, we basically uh, divide them into two. We have two programs. Which is, one is the uh, early intervention program and the other one is the school age program. So uh, for the early intervention program, we normally take students between the age of four to eight years old. And then the school age program is between 9 to 14 years old. However, uh, the students that comes in, every time before we actually take in a student, we will need to do an assessment because we need to see what level the child is at. Uh, currently, we also have students who, who came in, la no, not last year, 2019, July, who was already 11 years old but never went for any early intervention. So in such cases, we cannot actually put the child in a school age program, although the, the age limit is between 9 to 14 years old. We will still have to start the child in an early intervention program. So uh, the age limit is just a guide, but in actual fact, we need to assess each child on an individual basis and see where they are. And, and from there, we, we put them in the appropriate program. So I guess so, in this case, Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, okay. I was going to ask. So, I mean, you mentioned about the individual assessment. 
will be done um, as they are seeking to enroll in SNLC. And I also understand that autism comes in a spectrum. So maybe you can actually share a bit more with our viewers as well. Um, what does it mean when you say that there's a, actually a spectrum involved? Okay, so basically autism is, um, if I put it in layman terms, it is more to uh, how this child or this individual with autism perceives information. You know, because uh, the way they think or the way their brain is wired is very different from a normal person. For example, um, like, um, okay, so I know my shoulders are located here. My subconscious mind knows that my shoulders are located here. So in the event someone hits me, and if they hit me hard, um, I, the sensors will go to my brain and say that, okay, it's hurting. And then my reaction is, ouch, you see? And then uh, the next, next thing I would do is my action is I will either move away. But for these children, it's different. Some, for some children, even uh, touch could either be very uh, painful for them, or they may not react at all. Same goes as emotions. So they do not know how to react. So uh, actually we have a subject that we teach them on, on uh, emotions as well. Happy, sad, angry. We, you have to teach them basically. So if you ask me, I, use, I like to use the analogy of a computer. If you want a certain output, you need to program it in a way for that output to come out. If the programming is wrong, the output will not be what you desired. So it's like that because they are processing it in a very different way. So again, each child, the way they process is very different. So while we are teaching, there's a lot of observation that you actually look at the child and see how they are perceiving and understanding. If it's something that you're teaching and they don't understand, you've got to break it down. So we have something called task analysis that you break it down even more further down to make sure that the child understands the concept before you can actually bring it to the next level. Yeah, so uh, yeah, it's very different. They are very different the way they think. Also, uh, can I add? Sure, sure. 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 Yeah. I think um, the assessment is basically what we see in the child is we use some guidelines like what are their preferences, what is their interest, and what are their needs. Basically, this helps us to understand, to help us with the program. Because we what they prefer to do or their interest helps them to give, gain compliance with them. So basically, we, we, are, we look at these three uh, main areas, preference needs, sorry, interest needs, and that's how then we support them. Okay. It, it is um, uh, it's a very individualized program. We take them as who they are and what they can do. And that's how from there we build them from their very, very basic needs. So we use their preference, their interest, their strength in these areas to gain compliance and to work with them. So while so we do this, so, sorry. So, so, who does, so, so who does who does this assessment for you all? I mean, if so, let's say a parent brings a child, uh, you, you have help from some professionals to help you or you send them somewhere to, to have them assessed in terms of, you know, their capabilities and where, how do you stream them? Yeah. Um, it's a bit difficult question, Father, here. But anyway, uh, what we try to do is um, 
going for assessment is quite expensive for these families to bring. But we always ask for a, a doctor's diagnosis. They have to be in the spectrum. So based on that, if they can afford to bring a, a psychologist report and basically that it will be good, but if it will be added to our easy to our work, but if they can't afford it, we work, we can assess them as we take them through the uh, our work. We basically, as I told you, sure. we look at what are their interests, the preference and interests and needs. Yeah, like like you said, I think as I, the little that I've known uh, and speaking to you also in terms of your center and the direction, uh, you're currently focusing on, on the poorer families, the, the, the B40 families, uh, mm. because they can't afford uh, basically sending them some to, to a private uh, institution. So it's difficult also to expect that they have a professional uh, assessment mm. done uh, and probably they can't afford uh, to, to do that. Uh, yeah, so, so so it's like a service that, that you're offering. Uh, do these parents uh, contribute something for, for their child? Uh, in, because, I mean, I know you, you deal with uh, the B40 families. How, how, how do you sustain this, this ministry? Perhaps sure. the administrator wants to speak. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so currently, um, basically most of the funds comes from Lenten campaign. That's how we sustain the whole ministry uh, for the operations, the salaries of teachers and staff, uh, maintenance and things like that. But uh, the parents do pay a contribution amount um, because it is to give them dignity that, you know, I am paying this and this is the service that I'm getting. You know, we don't want to do it in, in a way where, um, where I just come and do it, but they don't feel that, you know, this is my dignity. I'm paying you and I deserve to get that service back. You know, so that, that is the whole idea of them. And also, it also gives you a sense of responsibility. I'm paying, you know, so if the school tells me, uh, if the, sorry, if the ministry tells me that I've got to do uh, this homework, I've got to do this at home with my child for two days, then, yeah, because I paid the money, I will also do the work and make sure, you know. Yeah, so basically it's around that. But um, yeah, so majority... Or the full amount definitely comes from the help of uh, Latin campaign. So, so this is this is I think this is for the benefit, JP. This is for the benefit of of our viewers out there. So, if you ever wonder, you know that yearly envelope that goes in our churches, uh, your Lenten campaign offering, and you and you wonder where that money goes. Uh, so, one part of that money goes to to this center uh, to to maintain because I I guess you know uh, parents from B forty families can't afford. To pay the teachers or to pay to run the center, so it's a contribution of of the Catholic community uh, and others uh, who who keep this uh, this ministry going. Uh, so I think you know, yeah. So, so as I said, people always ask, you know, how do we spend the Lenten campaign money? So this is a, a good thing to re to remind ourselves uh, where where this money goes to. Yeah, yeah. I think you pointed out rightly so, Father. Um, I think uh, Cheryl, if I can just us right so with with the contribution from the lantern campaign um how are a public able to perhaps um, assess or provide any um, support that they want to i mean currently are there any other other assistance that is provided from with the exception of the archdiocese any anywhere else 
Um, currently, no, but we do have sometimes, like for example, um, in 2019, we needed a few uh, items, teaching items for therapy. And uh, so I, I sent out a flyer. And so those who get the flyer, they will either send in the money and they say, okay, I, I would like to pay for this particular item and things like that. And then they will email it, they email the receipt to me because all uh, payment or all transfers should go to the uh, Archdiocese uh, Archdiocese Office for Human Development account. And then they send me the receipt so I know that this particular transfer is actually meant for this uh, particular item or what they're doing. Yeah, so that's how it is. And and so during this so during this period, um, for example, with the, with the MCO you mentioned earlier on, and so did Rita that that the the children do not actually come into the center. How has that yes. impacted uh, for for the families of B forty with regards to having their children have access to the tools that they would normally have at the center? How has that impacted them? Okay, um, it was actually very challenging because. Um, when the MCO started last year, we were actually caught, caught off guard. It was in the mid, midst of our school holiday, and then we couldn't go back to the center. So we started finding things online where the parents can actually do it at home with the items that they have at home. You know, then the ex MCO uh, got extended and extended. And then when we came to CMCO, we were able to go back to the center. So what we did was we actually, uh, okay, so before I go there, uh, every year we have uh, a plan for the child. We call it as a person-centered plan, uh, which we plan for the whole year what we want to teach the child, what are the skills that we want to teach and all. So when we went to, be to the center during the CMCO time, uh, since we already had this plan, so we picked up whatever items uh, that was or material teaching materials that was needed, and then we bundled it up and we sent it through each family, uh, each parent via Grab. And then the teacher was actually... Uh, teaching them each one by one. Okay, so what this this particular item, how do you do? What what therapy can you do with it? You know, so it went on like that. And then uh, mid-August, uh, end of August last year, we were able to reopen again, but for a very short period of time. And then we went back again uh, to CMCO, I think. So this year, what we have done is, some of the children have really progressed. So three of them actually, we were able to uh, teach them via Zoom. But the problem is because they all use their handphones to actually uh, participate in the class. So you know when your screen is very small, they've got to strain their eyes and look at it. And it's very difficult because for these children, you have to make the lesson interactive. So when we use Zoom, we try to make it interactive where they are able to actually drag and move pictures or you know, circle things like that. And uh, because if it's it's the phone, it is very small, it's very difficult for them to actually look at it. So that is one of the challenges. And also, of course, uh, the internet. Um, you know, sometimes it's clear, sometimes we all have problems. I think it's the same for everyone there. You're right. Even also, I think to, to get the, the attention of, of the children for a period of time, I think that is actually quite challenging. Um, so I think we've got a couple of questions and maybe I can actually read out one of it coming from Corinne. Uh, it's a centre equipped for kids with other needs such as Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, dyslexia. Okay, so currently we, uh, we, we focus on autism because we don't have the expertise for other kinds of special needs. Uh, so 
uh, I don't know if in the future, if we were to get help in all those areas, then, you know, we can open up for them, yeah. But at this point of time, we focus on autism because that is what we know. As, to be fair to the child as well, we can only teach what we know, see? So it's autism, yeah. So are, are you, like, for example, I mean, do you look for volunteers? I think I think you have been looking for teachers to join in this ministry. Yes. Uh, has that been successful yes. in, in, in appealing to people? Um, okay, so I've still not got uh, the right candidate or the suitable candidate, I would say, for, for a special needs teacher. Um, so I'm still looking. I'm still looking for a special needs teacher. So um, as I mentioned earlier, I have eight, eight students. Yeah? Um, if I can have, basically one teacher will replace a few of our, our students here who, who will be able to teach them. And then if I can get additional teachers, because I have a waiting list as well of around four to five children, I can't bring them in because I don't have a teacher, you see? So, uh, yeah, I'm looking for teachers with special, who, who have maybe experience in teaching children with special needs uh, or who have the qualification uh, in special needs. I'm more than happy to speak to them and see how we can work here. Yeah. I've also looked for volunteers because um, we, we had a few volunteers last year, but because after this NCO, and then, you know, we had to change our way of teaching as well. So we used to have, like, for example, early intervention, we used to have maybe three students in a class, and then you have a, a volunteer or a shadow teacher to help. But because of NCO, uh, if you tell the child one distance from me, they will not understand that. So we had to do a one-to-one -one session for that, you see. But in the event, um, when we are able to do a group session again, then we will need volunteers to actually come and help to be either a shadow teacher or to help the child while the teacher is there. But I also need volunteers who can help us um, in terms of um, maybe helping us with our resources, finding resources that we need, you know. Um, things like, for example, uh, helping us to do our materials, our teaching materials, because each child is very different. Um, not all materials that we have will suit them. Sometimes you've got to modify the material to suit that particular child. So if we have someone who, who has computer skills, who can do that for us, uh, you know, those kind of things, yeah. So, so, in terms of teacher and, and student, you know, what, what is the, what would be the, I'm, I'm just curious, what would be the ideal ratio, one teacher to how many children uh, in, in such a setting? Okay. It's difficult because um, if the children are somewhere the same level, we can group them together. But if they are in various different levels, then you have to do either one-to-one -one or maybe two. It depends again from each child, is it? For early intervention, it is definitely one-to-one -one because the child is new, you got to. A, uh, you've got to teach them the attending skills for them to be able to focus on what you're trying to say. That is the first thing that we start with, uh, for them to be able to sit at least for two, three minutes for a start, to be able to focus on something for two, three minutes, you know? So that is definitely a one-to-one. -one. But later on, when we have, like, um, we do have dramas, we do have play, structured plays and all, when, that's when we group everybody together. So that one, you still need your, your volunteers and all, but they are together because autism is also something that they don't want to socialize with people. So when you have this kind of group activities together, you are also teaching the child, it's okay, these are your friends. You can socialize with them, you know, 
to make them feel comfortable and to, of course they have to feel safe as well yeah. so to our, to our viewers who are, who are here this tuned in this morning i mean if they know of anyone uh, who would like to one is to volunteer or the other one is to be employed i guess uh, in in this center in this ministry uh, how do they get in touch with you uh, how would they get in touch with you do they drop you an email or do they yeah, they can email me um, at my email address. So that's uh, Cheryl at AOHD.org. So all small caps, yeah, C-H-E-R-Y-L at AOHD.org. They can email me. Uh, they can email me their resume and then we will take it from there. Yeah. yeah. So this is, this is really, really a ministry, uh, a special, very focused, very specialized ministry. I guess not, not everyone is is able to do this uh, kind of a thing uh, yeah i think you know uh, to our to our viewers this morning if you know of anyone who who's who would who would probably like to be involved in this ministry either as a volunteer or as, uh, as an employee uh, a paid employee uh, to get in touch with cheryl uh, and this is a great and, and do you, is this a, is this a growing need from, from your experience I, I mean do you get many inquiries uh, people coming to ask can we send our child uh, is, is that something that's growing? Yes, we do get inquiries for people who want to send their children, not only um, younger children, but also those who are 14 years and above. So for 14 years and above, we have, uh, actually it's the second phase of uh, SNLC, which is a vocational center. We teach them more of vocational skills like gardening, cooking, uh, shopping, uh, carpentry things like that something that they'll be able a skill that they'll be able to pick up and do or maybe you know um, in terms of employment if there is a space where they can do something so we, we're trying to move them towards direction um, but then again we have to also be realistic because every child is very different so some whoever has got that skill we can move them develop them in that skill and move them up but those who don't we try to see how we can actually uh, what can be done yeah. So I suppose so a child. The most yeah. Sorry, Sorry, go ahead, Sherry. The, the end, end result that we want to do is first for children who are not able to, to get employment or we want them to be able to be independent within their home environment itself. You know, yeah. they can get up, they can take their own bath, they can brush their own teeth, they can if if no one is at home, they can make a simple, maybe a simple sandwich or a simple maggie soup or something like that to sustain themselves. You see? And then to work things around the house, maybe a bit of housework, so that they are also kept occupied and not just left idle, not doing anything. They are also part of the family unit, you know. So they are also able to interact with the family. It's not that just because I'm special, I'm, I'm alone there. No, it is the whole family. The whole family actually has to work together and, you know, to make everyone feel accepted that this is a family unit. So... That's a family unit, and then it grows bigger, which is the community. Communities start accepting them the way they are. They are different because they are different in, in, in their ways, you know? Yeah. So there's a lot of acceptance um, that is needed. Maybe, maybe we bring Rita into this conversation. Rita, I'd just like to ask you. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, you've been involved now quite close to 20 years in this ministry. You know, is there one story that you would share, you know, that gives meaning to what you do I mean, a success story uh that you have seen and then you know and it makes you want to wake up in the morning every day and come back and to do this 
uh, it, I'm sure there are many stories, but among the many stories, is there one story that stands out for you? Um, yeah, Father, I think um, when we talk about success, it is how you measure again. Eh? How do we measure success with these children? For me, it's like if you are talking about the, the small children, especially those now we are supporting in my past, it is very little progress that when they make, that makes, um, bring some, you know, make some changes to you in your belief. Like um, some of the present kids that we are supporting now, when they make, um, they learn to take instructions, for example, you know, when you are talking at a very, very, a child with very difficult um, difficulties that they have when they come to us, very little things that we can see when they take, learn to make, uh, take instructions, when they start to learn to have table compliance, learn to follow you. Then, for example, then they will learn, when we are teaching them, they learn to utter some words. And then as you can see, as we move, we can see them learn to read and write and to do simple, you know, number skills. These are the success that we have seen, you know. And of course, there were different, another group of children that were able to catch up, you know, they were pick up the, um, and they, have, they were doing good with their learning skills. So they probably, uh, they had to go to the, like for homeschooling programs and all, they had to, because we could not provide that kind of uh, uh, education for them. So there's two levels of children, one with intellectual disability and one without it. So the ones that without a, a couple of them, we will have helped them move on. And those who stay with us, like Cheryl just shared, that we take them from the early intervention to school age and from school age to the vocational training program. The vocational skills are um, a few skills that is in the thing that where we help them, not only with skill training, but we also teach them how to be part of a community where they learn to use community facilities, hmm, like shopping. So all that together to teach that skill, we need to teach the vocation, the behavior that is required to be out there. So, you know, in a shopping area. So in, in the past, that students that I have dealt with, they were good in the sense that they used to go out shopping every week, once a week shopping. They used to go to the, to the park for a walk. And then they used to go to a gym, a private gym, a club, which was very, very, I, we are grateful to them for the, they offered, you know, there was, they didn't know our boys when I wrote to them and sort of really went after them to help me give a place to use the public gym, for example, because they can use the treadmill in the school. They used to do lots of exercise, but they need to take it somewhere, you see. So the, the club, uh, PJ club, for uh, they gave us for three months. They said, you can come in for three months. We will see three months led to four years, you know, they were happy to take in the boys because they could, knew how to use the facilities there. 
So all this training also have, takes place in this. It's a it's a holistic thing, you know. So it's, you, it's the it's the little little things that you see. It gives you gives you meaning, isn't it? I mean, the little little successes that you see. Really, in, in, different, yes. in, in them growing and in them mm. being able to adapt to the new environment. Uh, those are little joys. But what about you, Cheryl? You know, what what motivates you? What makes you want to get up in the morning and say, "I'm I, this is this is my ministry." You know, what motivates you? I think this is something that we all can hear because sometimes when we wake up early morning to go to work, a lot of people, oh, I have to go to work today. Uh, you know, but you know, this is a very challenging ministry. <laughs> JP is admitting. <laughs> You know, this is a very challenging ministry. And what motivates you every morning to want to do this? I used to be like you, JP, in my passwords. Yeah, so <laughs> I understand. Um, I think for me, it, it drills down to me because I believe that every child must be educated. However they are, education, it is their right to be educated. You know, so whether they're special or not, it is our responsibility as, as adults to educate them, to teach them the right way so that they are able to sustain their life, to have a dignity and, and move on, you see. Um, when I first saw these children um, in 2017, this was actually my first encounter with them because I've never seen children with, special, uh, with autism. They all looked normal to me, but then I realized that they were still different in their ways, you see. And then in 2018, when I came and uh, volunteered, so um, I helped a teacher to teach. I was like a shadow teacher there at the time. So I was helping to teach. And I'm trying to get them to move fast, but everybody's like, you know, taking their own sweet time and doing things. And I realized it was me. It was me because I come from a very fast moving environment. So I, I have an expectation that I want them also to move fast. But no, yeah, just like so. I had to tell myself, no, Cheryl, you have to slow down, not them, you know? So it was like that. And um, even their way of thinking or learning, sometimes I, I, I look at myself and I reflect. Sometimes I'm also like them, the way, you know, I want things to be structured. I want things to be organized. And they do need things to be organized. They do need things to be structured because that helps them. That reduces the anxiety. You see, so I reflect myself and I tell myself that this is an opportunity for me to actually help these children it is a very different, um, it's actually a total 360 degrees change from, from my past experience to here. But I'm really enjoying every bit of it. Uh, I'm learning a lot and, and it gives me a lot of joy. I, I don't know how to explain this, but it's just a lot of joy that I'm doing something that is worth it, is worthwhile. Yeah, I see a lot of hope in it. So you come from your background, your background, you come from a corporate world, right? You have left a corporate world to, yes, to this ministry. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's, yes. uh, it's amazing for somebody to leave uh, uh, or to not want to look at a corporate ladder, but want to make a difference in, in, in the lives of children with, with special needs. And I think that's, that's really it's something, you know, pardon? It's truly a huge appalling. change. Yeah. yeah. Actually, my, my testimony is very long, but <laughs> I keep it for another day. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, but I think it, it's it's a good reminder to all of us. Sometimes, you know, uh, it's not all about the corporate ladder. Sometimes it's what gives each one of us a meaning in life. And I think you yes. you have found at this point in your life, you have found meaning in this ministry. Yes. Uh, and yes. and yeah, and that's amazing to to be able to want to do this difference. But just to ask, you know, do do you all partner with with other organizations? Because I'm sure there are other organizations doing similar things. 
Uh, are you in partnership with them uh, in any way? Uh, some associations, some NGOs, uh, national bodies? Yeah. We are not in partnership, but we share information. We share information. Uh, for example, uh, they sometimes have webinars or, or uh, trainings that is held online. So they share it with us and then we share it with our teachers. We also share it with some of our volunteers who are keen. You know, so everybody learns together. That that is how we are doing. You know, um, but of course, if um, I would definitely look forward to people who have expertise in this area who would want to come and support us and help us. You know, um, if if there's a speech therapist out there or or you know, um, occupational therapist, whatever uh, specialties that you have that you can help to support special needs learning center. You see, because we cannot be jack of all trades. We cannot know everything and learn. So when, when something happens or when the child is having a difficulty, then we have a source that we can look for. So if you if, if our listeners are maybe who are in, in, in that area, you know, and if they'd like to reach out, then they can always email me as well. Yeah. So if you are a behavioral or a speech therapist, or if you know anyone who's in this field of profession, Maybe it's good to to knock on their door and and maybe they will find value and also you know that joy in how how you've actually served the ministry, Cheryl. So they can actually reach out to you, right? They can drop you an email if they if they know of anyone or if someone yes. is keen. Yes, they can. Yeah, I think that's that's the that's the thing uh, that we are talking about because you cater for for a group of people that possibly could not afford uh, a special education for their children in a private institution. And you of, you offer them hope, uh, you offer them uh, a way forward, and, and I'm sure I mean from Rita's own experience, as she was saying, you know, uh, being a parent, uh, having a child with special needs, and not knowing where to go, can be quite distressing. I'm sure, uh, uh, in a situation, especially in the home, when you don't understand the whole the complexity of 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 this issue, uh, and there can be a lot of frustration. Uh, there can be a lot of disappointment, uh, and I think what you offer is is a hope. So, like JP says, if you're out there, if you can volunteer in some ways, I mean, you know, even once a week, once a once a fortnight, once a month, I'm sure that's that's helpful, right? I don't know, I'm just saying it, but uh, you know, to come in to to assist them in in some way, if you're an occupational therapist, uh, speech therapist uh, of any sort, or a volunteer just to help them prepare materials uh, uh, that would really, you know. Uh, take the burden off both Rita and Cheryl uh, to help to be, to be able to help others. If I were to ask you a question, both Rita and Cheryl, what is your vision for this ministry? What is your dream for this for this ministry for the future? I'm sure you have one, right? <laughs> yes. Um, for me, uh, for me, I think it would be. Um, is it because now we are based in PJ? So there are uh, families who want to reach out or who want who needs this service, but we can't reach out to them because they, they are far away from us. There's transportation issues and things like that. So if this ministry can actually expand in the sense of, you know, we have other places which helps this, this group of people within, maybe within KL itself, let's start within KL itself, you know. So uh, they, they also have a... A, a, a place where children with autism can actually come 
and learn something, learn a skill, and then the parents are also supported. Because for this this kind of thing, it is not you come to the center, you learn, and then I give you homework, you go back, you do your homework, and go back, and that's it. No. Because this group of parents, they also have their own challenges. So it is, you You also got to sometimes sit and listen to their, their, their issues that they are facing and see how you can actually help them in the sense of with the student itself, you see. Because sometimes when you're too bogged down with your own issues, your, your child is left unattended there, unknowingly, you see. So if we can see on this part, we need to, it is our responsibility to tell them that, you know, yes, I understand this is the situation, and you know. Um, also, in 2019, actually, we, we did open up to parents to ask them, for those who need counselling, uh, we got someone to actually help us counsel them because these are important tools, you see. Um, maybe they are, some might be a bit shy or not used to it, but it takes time. But I would like to still open this up to them and say, you know, if they need counselling or what, and we'll try to get people who can help you know, to sit and listen to them and, and guide them. So your so your 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 dream is to be able to expand this ministry into different other locations to have more centers, yes. which means you need more volunteers, which means you need more people to help. Yes. Uh, so yeah, yes. so that we goes back to, to our to our listeners. If you are able to help to make Cheryl's dream come true, yeah, and I, I think this is a, a ministry that is much needed these days. Rita, in a yep. nutshell, what is what is your dream, Rita? Yep, Father. Um, I have dealt with uh, young adults with the you know, who have graduated or, or finished the vocational training program. They are all out there in their homes. So I would like, because they are trained to do, we didn't elaborate on the vocational skills that they were trained. You know, they were trained to do like collating of papers, big numbers they used to do for Lenten campaign, you know, compiling of all these materials, things like that, many skills that they know of you know, photocopying, laminating, and things like that. But all these skills have been taught to them, and it is, they are there, not, you know. So I'd like this communities or the church to give opportunities for these individuals, maybe young or even old, to be meaningfully engaged in societies so that their lives are lived with dignity and respect as children of God. Yeah, so your, your so your dream is to ask our viewers if you have some level of 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 employment, uh, business employment. They have yeah. they, to get it, so to out there get in touch with Cheryl if you have some simple kind of employment which they can you can find uh, that fits it matches uh, to give them some dignity. Uh, yeah, I think to be you know to 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 be able to to be gainfully employed. I think it's very important. Yes. Uh, so to people out there, if, if you have, you know, uh, if you have opportunities uh, uh, to be able to contact Cheryl once again, Cheryl at uh, AOHD.org. Uh, and, and this is this is, I think, the church, the church in action, in partnership, you know, everyone doing different things, you know, everyone contributing to different things. Yeah. Like you say, you know, we give them vocational training, but then they don't have place to yeah. to live it out. Uh, it becomes very difficult. Also, it can be very frustrating also. Now, uh, we are coming to the end of the show, but uh, before before we end, yeah, you know, Cheryl, I know that we, we talked about this, you know, during this MCO, uh, the center has a, a need, uh, a special need, and we are going to appeal to our, to our listeners if you can help them in any way. Uh, you want to speak a little bit about, uh, briefly about the need uh, at, at this time? 
Yeah, okay. Um, so I've identified um, three things that we need actually. Um, to be very specific, I need two laptops in one tab. The two laptops is for two children who currently do Zoom. We want to give them a, a bigger screen so that they're able to view and participate in the class itself. Whereas the tab, uh, because this particular parent that we have, um, they live in PPR flats and um, they find it very difficult to, to record videos when we ask them to do because of the storage. They have a very minimum basic phone that they have. So they're not able to record uh, the, the work that the child does at home in order for us to see and review. So if they have um, a tab with better storage, then at least they are able to record the video and send it to us. So we are looking for this help and if it's possible, to help us yeah, so to, to, our, to, to our viewers out there, you know, if you want to help uh, Cheryl and the ministry, uh, so very specifically, they are asking for this assistance uh, in terms of, you know, we know that, you know, learning online, you know, is it's even for an adult is, is very challenging. You know, when we have all these meetings, I'm sure JP and all, you know, it's not easy. Uh, but when you have a special needs child who needs to be able to engage with a screen, uh, the child needs more than just a phone screen, uh, a larger screen to help. So if you're listening to us, uh, if you're able to help them, uh, if you have a tab uh, at home lying there, not doing anything, I mean, not a broken one, but, you know, one that can serve their need uh, or, or laptop, you know, if you can contribute. Uh, it's not often that here in our in our podcast, we, we, we request for, we make an appeal, uh, but th there is a need here that I was speaking to Cheryl uh, earlier uh, to help these children who come from from B40 families who can't afford to buy uh, these laptops or these gadgets, especially in, in the time when they're not able to come to the center, uh, to be able to continue uh, with their, their their formation, with their education. So if you have or if you want to contribute towards help, helping them buy two laptops and a tablet, how do they do it, Cheryl? How do they? I'm sure they can email you one. Is there some other way that they can assist you also? um they can actually call because we are most of the time not at the center so there's no point i give the center's uh, telephone sure. number so i i will give you aohd's office you can leave a message and then i will call you back yeah so laptops uh, and and one tablet that you've requested cheryl so how how can oh, our okay. viewers contribute for example uh towards the the three things that you've actually requested um, they can either transfer the money into AOHD account and then just send me an email with the receipt or they can buy and then um, let me know and then I will maybe meet them and, and collect it in person. Yeah. yeah, but perhaps I think it's best to, to contact you first so that they know what your needs are okay. because if you buy something that yeah. does not serve your need, then it becomes a little more complicated. Uh, but to be able to, 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 to drop you so, an email first... Uh, uh, and yeah. to drop you an email. Either uh, contact my handphone as well. Uh, yeah. Zero one nine But I think best, it's best to best to email you. I think it's best to yes. email you. Yes. Yeah, I, I think it's easier. Drop an email and to see how we can assist you and hope our viewers out there, uh, you know, you can and contribute in in small ways. Malaysians are very generous. I'm sure our, our viewers are very generous too. Very but this generous. is, but this is to help these children uh, with special needs uh, who, who need. So if each one 
you know, can contribute a little bit. I'm sure uh, by the end of this month, or hopefully, uh, you will get your your two two laptops and your tab also uh, to help these children uh, with their education. So we'd like to thank you, thank both of you uh, for taking time to be here. I hope it's not been, it's not been a stressful experience for you, uh, <laughs> having lost some some nights of sleep. I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, thank you very much for for taking time, and JP. I think that you know it's amazing what they do, right? I mean, there are so many comments uh, we, that we are not just able to. Maybe you want to just read some comments, JP, of of the work that they do. We've actually got a few comments that have come in, and I think generally they are in in awe and in gratitude for for what you have done, Cheryl. What what Rita, the both of you are doing for this special needs ministry. Um, awesome work from Angela. God bless you both, Rita and Cheryl, and your team and families. Thank you, Angela, for that. Uh, we've got Jacqueline that said awesome. And um, we've got Maria Danker, prayers and hope for daily little miracles for autistic children and their families. And coming in from Josephine, it's indeed, it takes a special person, Cheryl and Rita, bless you both. So I think we've, we've received a lot of um, really overwhelming comments. But just to recap, Father, if I can, on, on, our, on our wish list from this morning's program. So um, at the top of it, we are, we are looking out for two laptops and one tablet, um, a speech or speech therapist, behavioral therapist. If you are out there watching this or if any one of you are watching and you know someone who does this, please feel free to drop an email to Cheryl at aohd.org and we can take it from there. It's truly a, a privilege for me to speak to Rita and Cheryl amidst their, their busyness to take time to share with us about this special needs ministry this morning, Father. Thank you too to Father Terence and uh, John for allowing us to use this platform to let everyone know that we exist and, you know, to, to support us in the ways that they can. Thank you very much. And I know from all these messages that are out there, I think, you know, I hope it gives you more inspiration to wake up every morning to know what you're doing is very meaningful. And to also remember that, you know, we have just started the first first uh, Lantern campaign of, of, of this season and there's a lot more that will be coming up. And I think all of our viewers will be able to get more information from the AOHD website as well. Thank you, Father and John, for having me. I also like to take this platform to thank the many, many people during my time who have helped and contributed in many, many ways. Thank you to all of you. Thank you very much. Thank you for thank you for thank you for being here this morning. And so, JP, we have uh, you want to talk a little bit about we have a, a, a special show. about next next Saturday? You want to let yeah, the viewers? I, I, heard, I heard, Father, you're going to be putting your your special hat <laughs> for a special program next weekend. So, to all of our viewers of Catholics at home, for next week we will be having a special program, and it's not going to be at ten thirty in the morning, but it will be at 8.30 p.m. on the 27th of February. And we will be speaking to a very special guest, and it's none other than YB Hannah Yo, Member of Parliament Sagambot. And it's a Saturday nightlife-themed uh, session where we'll be talking about domestic violence. And as you can see there, we've actually put out a poster, Silent Screamers, Domestic Violence and How to Help. So stay tuned next Saturday, 8.30 p.m., right here at Catholics at Home. And so before you go, don't forget to, to like, to subscribe. I noticed this morning we are, have we have about 3,100 subscribers. And our aim is to get this to 4,000 at least before the end of Lent. 
that is going to be our our effort. So, do send out to your friends. You know, invite your friends to to subscribe to our YouTube channel, and hopefully, we can all together go to the next milestone. And it's very important because the next Saturday would be our fiftieth episode. You know, so I, I guess I must, I must wear some party hats, lah. So to yeah, celebrate. Catholics at home episode. That's right. Yeah. Thank you very much, JP. The Willing Hearts platform, Father. We can talk a bit about that as well. Uh, it's actually a marketplace, and I think we featured this two weekends ago. So Willing Hearts is actually a marketplace where there are people that are offering services, products, uh, which you can actually go in. So if you would like to find out more information, it's on Facebook, Willing Heart. So if you would like to go in and see what is it all about, right, do so right after this. So thank you very much, everyone. Thank you, JP, for having me to co-host with you. To all our viewers, have a thank good week uh, and a good start to the season of Lent. Prayer, since, I mean, sure. to, to wrap up with a prayer as, as we head towards the first weekend of Lent. Sure. In the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for this conversation this morning. We thank you for the ministry of to the children with special needs. We thank you for gifts, the gift of people like Rita and Cheryl who dedicate themselves to help in this ministry and the many others who are involved in helping children with special needs to give them dignity, to give them life. Lord, we continue to ask you to bless them and bless each one of us too as we enter into this season of Lent. May our hearts be renewed and transformed and be changed by the love that you offer us through the cross of your son, Jesus Christ. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you to all of our viewers. Thank you so much for tuning in. Bye, everyone. Mm -hmm.